The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. A couple weeks ago, I promised that I was going to take this podcast back into the realm of denial. But I do think we need to open up today's show by briefly mentioning the fact that the Kobe and Gianna Bryant Memorial is happening as we record at Staples Center right now. I hope that it's available wherever you are listening to this podcast. I don't know what the broadcast deal is with that. I don't know where it's being shown, uh, but I will be watching it after the end of this show. I do think mentally we're all probably a little bit more ready for it, but I know I'm going to be a wreck, so figured I might as well get through this one. Handle the weekly lineup show with my good buddy Brandon. That's coming up for premium subscribers at 11.30 Pacific time this morning, Monday morning. And then I'll watch the show, and then I can be a wreck in the afternoon. Nobody, you guys don't need me in the afternoon. I got phone calls to make, but, you know, if I blow those, who's going to know? This is Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Baspers. Happy Monday to you guys. We're back for another week. Week 19. Holy sweet moly. You know, I did something a little bit goofball. I was talking about fantasy playoffs starting. One thing that I think we need to do a better job as a fantasy community is covering the different potential windows where fantasy playoffs can start because not all of us are on the same schedule. For instance, many of you will have your fantasy playoffs begin on March the 9th. Some of you are actually in your playoffs already, which I get it. You knock out a lot of the silly season by going February 24th, March 2nd, March 9th weeks, those three, but you also lop off like four and a half weeks of the NBA season, which for me is too many. I know there's this this massive push for fairness, and here's where I think it's fine. If you're in a money, if you're in a league where the money is so unbelievably intense that having the silly season get involved in any capacity is shifting thousands of dollars around, I get it. Start today. That's fine. But if you're in a league where the buy-in is 50 bucks, 100 bucks, something like that, so there's okay money on the line. You know, I'm not going to minimize what you're winning there. If you're winning six, $700, that's great. I've done that a few times myself, quite a few times myself, and it's part of why I have a better computer or a couple of better computers around here. To me, my love of fantasy basketball is such that I would rather go a little bit longer and risk the weirdness a tiny bit. There's a little bit of joy in that weirdness. Not the very end. The last 10 to 17 days are really messy. That starts March 30th. Things start to get pretty messy. And then April 6th to the end of the year, that last 10-day stretch is gross. There's no reason to have a league play those last 10 days unless you're in Roto, of course, which you guys know I often am. But, I mean, isn't it worth it to just have a little bit more fantasy fun two, three weeks more? It's too soon. Too soon then this season now. I bring this all up because, and I'm not going to do it this week because, sorry guys, this is this is too soon for me to get into a fantasy playoff breakdown. I know there are some of you that have your fantasy playoffs right now. But most people have their fantasy playoffs start on either March the 9th or March the 16th. 
And then there are those of you who start your playoffs on the 23rd of March and go all the way to the end of the regular season. You guys are going to want to rethink that. Don't worry. I'm going to I'm going to cover it as if that's that's happening. Don't worry. But you got to move it 10 days sooner. Or not 10 days sooner. You got to lop off those last 10 days. You got to move your playoffs at least one week in advance. So we're going to get really deep into it on March the 9th and leading up to that. And when I say really deep into it, I mean streaming chatter. So we're not that far off from it right now. Two weeks. A little less than that since we'll talk about it leading up to that time when you want to start using your moves the week before to gear yourself up for the playoffs. But not quite yet. We're still just a little bit out. One thing that's been bugging me, and I don't think I've even done a traditional intro to this show. I told you what you're listening to. At Dan Bespris, by the way, if you want to give me a follow on Twitter, I wish you would. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. The reason I wish you would is because right now we are growing. And I put it out on the Friday edition of the podcast. And few of you wrote in, but I'll, I'll flip it out there again. We are looking for people right now. There was, for whatever reason, a little bit of a war of attrition type of thing that happened over the All-Star break. So a few spots opened up. Quick to fill kind of spots here at Hoopball. And I want to tell you more about it, but I want to do it on Twitter. Because sometimes when people re- respond to, or, or just shoot me a note out of the blue... I, I try to see everything, but I've I've missed stuff in the past, and I just I don't think that's fair. You can hit me up at Dan Vespers on Twitter if you're interested in any of these spots that I'm talking about, or email Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com. But there are spots popping up right now on the DFS podcast. I know that there's a little bit of room that is available out that way. Uh, we're always looking for just the best, most passionate fantasy minds, so that's. Certainly something as well. Uh, And then, in addition, we are looking for someone that's a click above. I know most of the time when I'm out here talking about what we're searching for at HoopBall, it's it's exclusively, like, you've never done this kind of thing before type of spots, but you've got the passion, you've got the skill. We also have a spot that is requiring a slightly higher level, more editorial, and the difference with that one is that there uh, there might be a little bit of cash involved. So hit me up on that one. At Dan Vespers on Twitter. Team HoopBall at Hoop-Ball.com. Uh, I will have more information on that later on today, most likely. What do we usually do on a Monday show? It's reverse chronological lightning round. No reason to change that today. So let's dive right on in. And then, of course, we'll preview the Monday card. Reverse chronological lightning round, I think most of you guys know this. We go backwards through the weekend, starting on Sunday, and cover each team's most recent basketball game, and then we'll parlay that, betting term, I guess, not not actually parlaying things, into our discussion of what's coming up tonight, Monday evening. Before we do that, there's a weird... It's not weird, I guess. That's the wrong word for it. But there's a prevalence lately of injuries that are all sitting on a weird right near the playoff timeline. If your playoffs start on March 9th and you're two weeks away, there are a lot of really tough calls that you're about to have to make. If you've got an extra week, that might buy you 
just the breathing room that you need to get these guys back. And I'm talking about dudes like Carl Anthony Towns, who we found out late last week is dealing with an actual fracture in his wrist. And he's he spoke to the athletic up there in Minnesota and said he really desperately, I think the word they used was desperately wants to play again this year. He wants to play with D'Lo. He wants to play with his buddy. If it's going to be in the next two weeks, I'd be pretty surprised by that now. Three weeks? Maybe. You buy yourself just a little bit more time. Damian Lillard, probably back in two weeks, but boy, if you had three, wouldn't that basically guarantee it? And the list goes on and on. Rashawn Holmes, will he be back in two weeks? I don't know, but three? You feel a lot better. Paul George, Clint Capella, Kemba Walker, whatever the hell is going on with Ben Simmons. It's really, it's a, like Jaron Jackson Jr. was one over the weekend. Tobias Harris now is dealing with a bruised knee. Although he's only questionable, so presumably he'll be back in less than two weeks. Norman Powell, Marcus Soule, Thomas Bryant, who's out for rest because of his foot. Jeremy Lamb got hurt. He's waiting on an MRI. His, who knows what's going Pat Beverly, Wendell Carter Jr. There's a lot of names right now that are useful to very good fantasy players that might be back in time for your playoffs. So here's what I would say. I don't know your team. I don't know your team. I don't know what situation you're in. There's a hundred different situations you could be in right now. You could be in first place with a massive cushion. You could be in second place with some cushion or no cushion over third place. You could be in a league that does or does not have a first round bye for the top two seeds. You could be in sixth place, seventh, eighth, fighting for a playoff spot. What I will say is, Weigh the positives and negatives of what you're trying to do. Number one, one thing we can say for certain is if you're currently outside the playoff picture and you're sitting on some injured people, you have to drop them. You have to win. You have to get in. You can't, you can't win your league if you miss the playoffs. Do you think you can get in while holding on to your injured guys? Great. Do that. Stream like a madman or madwoman. Stream like crazy. What if you're in the playoffs? If you're in the playoffs and you're in that like fourth or fifth seed area, or maybe you're in the sixth seed and you do have a little bit of cushion, you feel pretty confident you're going to make the playoffs, you sit on those guys as long as humanly possible. Because you give yourself a better chance to win once you're already in the playoffs. What if you're in third place? And if you could climb just a little bit, you could get that first round bye. That's a tough spot to be in. But I talked about it a little bit, I think, on the Friday show. It might have been Thursday. I think it was Friday's show. Who knows? We lose track. If we're talking about guys that are inside that top 50, top 60 range, you hold on to those guys in those scenarios. Honestly, you take the third place because you're probably not going to win your league if you're dropping Jaron Jackson Jr. or Tobias Harris or whoever else is above that fray we talked about before. Hell, you could even throw Steph Curry in the mix. Simmons, Kemba, Capella, Paul George, Cat, Rashawn. Kyrie's out for the year, so that Dame. 
If you're in third place, you can't be dropping those guys to try to get the a, a first round buy. You need those guys to actually win. So there's so many different possible scenarios your team could be in. Only you truly know what you're looking at, what you're staring down the barrel of here on February the 24th. You can ask, I suppose. I mean, there's an answer to most scenarios, but each one is so very individual and unique. But what I think you have to weigh is, number one, can you make the playoffs if you stash a guy? Number two, do you even have any chance to win without the guys that you're stashing? Then you weigh it all out. So anyway, we dive into the reverse chronological lightning round now with the this umbrella hanging over us of guys that are hurt. Boston and the Lakers, that was the early game on Sunday. I actually believe the the Kings, NHL, the hockey team, had this the Staples Center at night. Pretty weird for the Lakers to get pushed into the daytime. But it was an ABC game, so they got the national TV audience. Jason Tatum was fantastic. He's been rolling here down the stretch. Uh, you knew that the shooting percentage wouldn't be quite as awful as it was for the entire season, but he has been a drag in that department. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, overall, however, tough to complain about what's been the kind of the post-type year that we were all hoping for because he didn't take that step last season, and he has this year, and he's a second-round guy now. Jason Tatum shooting percentage up to 45.5, remember, or excuse me, 44.5. You remember he was down in that like 39, 40, 41 range for a long time. And he looks like a bona fide fantasy superstar. And a durable one in general, too. Pretty good. Could he go much higher than this? I mean, maybe. Sky's the limit. That's a discussion for the future, though. He's going to get probably overdrafted a little bit. Um, we've talked a billion times on this podcast about Daniel Tice, 16-9 with a couple of three balls, and fouled out against a very tough Lakers front court. He's just locked in. I mean, he's going to end up being quietly one of the best fantasy pickups of the year. He's number 85 on the season after a very slow start. He's basically been rolling at a top 70 clip for the better part of two months. Think of the guys that were drafted around 70 in your league. And tell me you wouldn't exchange those guys for Daniel Tice. We're talking about end of the sixth round here. Kristaps Porzingis went in that range. Jalen Brown, Marcus Ole, Malcolm Brogdon went in that range in a lot of leagues. D'Angelo Russell went in that range in some leagues. I mean, this is Gordon Hayward. Pretty amazing that, you know, this, this might be a guy you have on your waiver wire. Basically a sixth slash seventh rounder. That's a huge get. Pretty excited about that. On the Lakers side, that's a very weird box score because Anthony Davis has been on a strange free throw slump lately, but otherwise was very good. LeBron, always in a free throw slump, but no defensive stats, but they won. They won. While missing almost all of their free throws. Be better. Lakers are a two-man operation. That's There isn't a whole lot fantasy-wise to talk about there. Denver beat up on Minnesota. This game was uh, a wider spread than the final score might indicate. Wolves were able to shave a few off late. No Carl Anthony Towns, as we've talked about. Uh, D'Angelo Russell sat this one out for maintenance issues. So he'll be back for the next one, and that obviously is going to put a dent into Jordan McLaughlin, who got the start at point guard in this game and moves back into a reserve role. 
I tried to tell you guys that I didn't like Juancho Hernan Gomez's fantasy game. I mean, I'll admit, I probably wasn't high enough on Malik Beasley after the trade. I thought, maybe he gets maybe he gets good enough. But I was also tried to... So I guess some of that, you know, you can put on the fact that there are key guys that are out, whatever. Malik Beasley's going to be good. If you scooped him up faster than I did, you nailed it. Good call. But Wancho just doesn't have a great fantasy game. He's points and rebounds exclusively. And so when those things aren't happening, it dries up fast. Meanwhile... Nas Reed was a popular spot start, myself included, but he picked up a bunch of fouls in this game trying to deal with Nikola Jokic. Probably should have seen that one coming. 13 points, 5 boards, got a steal and a 3-pointer. He still looks like a really nice fill-in option here with Cat out. James Johnson saw extra playing time here with Reed in foul trouble. To Johnson's credit, he's been a very well-rounded fantasy player in Minnesota. I think they'd rather have him more in the 21-minute range which makes me think I probably don't care that much about it. I like the across-the-board stuff. I just, I'm just i a little bit lower on him than I was before Minnesota showed that they're willing to play Nas Reed 30 minutes a game, which they were when he wasn't in foul trouble in their previous game. Meanwhile, over on the Denver side, Paul Millsap getting his second start in a row post-All-Star break and was brilliant. 9-for-11 shooting, 25 points, 7 boards, a steal, 2 blocks, he has now punted Jeremy Grant back to non-existent territory. You can drop Jeremy in any non-keeper formats. I still think you're going to see Grant as a really interesting keeper. But again, that's a specific situation where he's behind a guy whose contract is expiring. Uh, Monte Morris played 31 minutes off the bench, but you can't read too much of that. Jokic was solid. Gary Harris was actually not horrible in this game, but I'm not changing my opinion there. Will Barton playing through a sore knee, which augurs poorly, and then Jamal Murray back. So Denver basically healthy now, and all of you folks that told me I was way too low on Michael Porter Jr. actually getting to play down the stretch, come on now. Look at how many bodies there are on it. That was the point I wanted to stress. Not that he's not going to be good or isn't already pretty good, but Denver is so deep. Millsap and Grant, they're too deep at power forward. Jokic and Plumley, they're too deep at center. Barton, Harris. Yes, they traded away Malik Beasley. That opened up a tiny bit of room, but they still have Torrey Craig. They still have Monty Morris, who saw a ton of time outside the point guard spot. He was playing the two, and Gary Harris slid up and played the three. They're just too deep for these guys that are the sixth, seventh, eighth man. Toronto-Indiana was not a good ball game. Jeremy Lamb hurt his knee on a dunk attempt. I actually thought he was going to be a quiet producer here for a while, and now I'm a little worried. If, if he's getting ruled out for a few weeks and you're in a playoff format, you probably have to end up dumping him there. If you're in Roto, I mean, you could squat on him. I don't know that he's going to be good enough to warrant a ton of your time. Just a bad game for Indiana. Justin Holiday might see some significant action here with Victor Oladipo dealing with a back issue and now Lamb out as well. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Kyle Lowry had a big ball game. Five steals and a block on top of everything else. Chris Boucher went big because it was a blowout, guys. Don't go crazy here. Serge Ibaka is the starter, and he's going to get the lion's share of minutes. He had 15 and 15 with a block before the game got out of hand. Don't read too much into this one. You had some strange minute counts in a game that was decided by 46 points. 
Elsewhere in blowout territory, the Spurs got waxed by the Thunder, so you can also write off some of the numbers from this ball game. Just put this one behind you. Thunder side, uh, good to see Nerlens Noel get five blocks. His minutes actually didn't change all that much in this game. Kind of unusual given the blowout situation. It's not like Mike Muscala picked up a ton of time down the stretch. Steven Adams still played 28 minutes despite the giant win. But uh, Nerlens was good. Ten points, a steal, five block. Can't complain about that. And then the rest, of, otherwise, this team is pretty predictable. Chicago beat Washington. This is bad. It's a bad look for the Wizards. They've lost to the Cavs and the Bulls lately as they try to make a last gasp for the eight seed in the Eastern Conference. Yuck, by the way. But from the fantasy side of things, since that's generally what we're more concerned with, Bradley Beal was huge. I don't think he rests until this thing is totally in the toilet. Everybody was so worried about Beal, but he's been great since coming back from injury. He's been great. He's certainly moved his way up the charts after a uh, not particularly inspiring beginning to his season. He's up to number 22 now after a furious romp here. Everybody's like bailing out on him early. Uh, Ish Smith, Shabazz Napier, I'm not trusting either of these guys at this point. I've been down that road. Davis Bertans had a nice ball game, but is now questionable with a right knee thing. And Thomas Bryant, he's going to be stuck on a minutes limit. You can probably drop. I, I don't know that he gets back up to a playable number of minutes the rest of the way. And, you know, that means that you're stuck with Mo Wagner and Jan Mahimi. I mean, they're just... I know that this this wasn't a great show there. We saw Perdon's lock up a lot of the center minutes. If he's out and Bryant's out and Mahimi's just, well, Mahimi, you should see enough Bogner, but boy, you're you're digging deep at this point. I'm not sure that I would say go diving in that. You're going to come up with a handful of you-know-what more often than you come up with gold. For Chicago, we've been seeing a lot of questions about Kobe White, who had another big ball game, 33 points, six boards, two assists, two steals, and a block. Uh, you know I'm always going to be slow on the uptake with this stuff. He's had two 33-point games in a row, and obviously Chris Dunn being out is helpful in that regard. But we know he runs crazy hot and crazy cold. He's shooting 38% for the season. You guys got to remember before you go diving into the Kobe White thing, that prior to this pair of 33-point games, so, if, I mean, if you're trying to sell yourself, oh, he's figured it out all of a sudden. Eh, it doesn't usually happen overnight like that. And plus, his first game out of the All-Star break, he had 12 points and shot 27% in that ball game. He's not a great foul shooter. Steals and blocks have been relatively low this year by all accounts. So the fact that he had three in these two games was something. He's red hot. That's it. So I'm a little bit anti there. Sato, obviously he's locked in with no Chris Dunn. Dad Young, he'll just keep plugging along here until guys come back, which they haven't yet, but Wendell Carter Jr. is close. Larry Markinen is relatively close. Otto Porter is relatively close. Am I interested in those guys? Yeah, I would go Wendell Carter Jr. as my first stash. Markinen would be my second choice, and Porter I'm not even really touching. I, I mean, he's, he's going to be on the Thomas Bryant schedule when he comes back. Bulls are fading. Not that they were ever really in contention, but they're fading even beyond that. And uh, I don't know. I, I just 
with the playoffs starting soon and no guarantee that anything's going to be any of those guys is going to be playing enough. The one that has the easiest path is Carter because he comes back the soonest, and the other options at center are truly atrocious. Markkinen should play, but we've talked about this before. I don't really know what a guy's going to look like coming back from a sore pelvis. This is unusual to me. New Orleans beat Golden State on the road. Nobody should have been surprised by that one. Uh, Zion had 28, but has shown himself to be a punt free throw guy to this point. That's kind of a kick in the pants. Uh, Brandon Ingram was not great in this ball game, but again, they didn't really need it. Nico Melli was good. Drew Holiday was amazing. Lonzo Ball was decent without scoring. Derek Favors also decent without scoring. And this was just a walk in the park game for the Pels. The walk in the park game. Guys didn't need to play giant minutes. Drew did for some reason, but... And when they're healthy like this, which they are right now, Josh Hart, who had 10 rebounds, that's not going to be enough to get it done. He's been closer than I expected while healthy, but it's tough. It's tough to hold on when you're coming off the bench like that. He's doing it by rebounding like a crazy person, but it still hasn't been enough. For the Warriors, they were without... Everybody, except uh, Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins played, and then the rest of this team was the replacements. Kai Bowman at 15, 6, and 7. Juan Toscano-Anderson. Yeah, you win that round if you pick that one. Damian Lee at 22. I mean, this was one of those games where you knew someone was going to have to score a little bit. I would have banked on Wiggins. Turned out to be other guys. I don't trust those guys. I still don't. Marquise Chris was out, too. Draymond, Chris, Clay, Steph. I mean, those are all, those are four starters on this team right now. Who's the other guy? Damian Lee is probably the only starter that might start if the rest of those guys were healthy. No, excuse me, Wiggins would be that guy. Wiggins is the only starter on the floor when this team is fully healthy. If Steph, Dre, and Chris do actually play in the next couple of weeks, Lee is probably the other guy that stays in the starting lineup. Who do I trust? Well, Dre, if he's playing. Chris, if he's playing. Steph, I'm still a little bit concerned about. And then Wiggins. I'm not diving into those other names. We've been down this road before. I'm not changing my stance. People get asking me, like, should I drop this guy? I'm like, well, I never told you to pick him up. You guys got to either listen to the show. Ah, whatever. Bitching about Twitter is not going to get me anywhere. Detroit lost in Portland. I sometimes wonder... Detroit is a team that's going into tank mode these days. Christian Wood looks really good. John Henson picked up some playing time in this ballgame. I've told you a thousand times, and we're going way back to like 2016. John Henson has long been one of my fantasy crush guys. It's just not going to happen. The minutes aren't there. He saw 23 in this one because they liked what he was doing when Thon Maker wasn't playing that great. And Detroit for all of the digging we're doing here, is going to be a little bit tough to find the values because they're tanking. So they're not going to play their winning guys enough minutes for it to be relevant. Christian Wood is is good to go. He's locked in. Don Maker has been a really nice per-minute producer to this point. Now he got stuck on Hassan Whiteside, which is going to be a tough for uh, another big man who's not particularly fast, which Don is not. I'm not bailing, I'm not giving up on Maker yet. The the blocks and threes he's been able to put up in limited minutes so far have been pretty good. I'm not going to give up on Derrick Rose or Bruce Brown either. Their minutes were high enough to do something in yesterday's game. They just sort of didn't. And no, you're also not picking up John Henson. 
The Portland side is pretty straightforward. Uh, Trevor Reza decided he didn't want to shoot in this game. C.J. McCollum and Carmelo Anthony did all of that. And, you know, those guys, Whiteside, Ariza, Mello, McCollum, they're, they're all going to be fine here while Dame is out. But they desperately need to get him back. Portland's not going to get to play one of the worst teams in the NBA every night. And we still haven't heard anything on Yusuf Nurkic, which is a stash that... I mean, I don't know. You know how I hate picking up guys that are hurt at the beginning of the year. He's another guy you probably can't count on for your playoffs. And really, even if he came back, he's not going to be healthy enough to be successful. Going back to Saturday in our trip backwards through time, Kent Bazemore was stellar for Sacramento. And he's actually looked pretty good for a couple games in a row. I mean, you guys know how much I love Bays. I'm I'm skeptical. Despite the fact that this is a guy that I want to have on my fantasy teams, I remain intensely skeptical. That is effectively two or three good games in a row, but all with a high field goal percent. He's been doing it, well, he had the four steals in that last one, but the way we want Bazemore to have success is some assists, a bunch of steals, a bunch of blocks, don't worry a ton about scoring. If you're counting on the scoring here, we're probably going to end up disappointed. This team also has a number of guys out. Rashawn Holmes is out. Marvin Bagley's out. Jabari Parker sat this one out. It seems like they do want to play Bazemore somewhere between 20 and 27 minutes a game, something in that neck of the woods. But the cold spell is coming. And it'll kill you because he's percentages-wise, he's always been kind of rough in both of those. He needs to float it with serious steals and block stuff. So if that can stick, and I know he had five combined in that last ballgame against the Clippers. If that can stick, then he's a guy you could look at because he's been able to have fantasy value in 25 minutes a game before. But if it's the points, if that's the reason you're paying attention now, that he's averaged some 18, 19 points a game over his last three, that's not something that's going to stick. Grain of salt. Let's just put it that way. Grain of salt. I want to see more assists. I want to see more consistent defensive stats because the blocks really haven't been there. Despite all the other stuff being better, the blocks haven't been there. But keep an eye on it to be sure. He's going to get picked up because he's been scoring and he's going to get dropped when he stops scoring. Be aware of the back and forth that's about to come. Bogdan Bogdanovich had a really good ball game this time around, so he sort of knocked Buddy Heald off the page for a day. That ended up being critical in one of my weekly matchups, but whatever. And Nemanja Bielitsa's voodoo doll continues to rumble along. Anybody that was worried about Jabari Parker taking his minutes, I think we can probably shelve that for now. For the Clippers, uh, they've lost three games in a row for the first time all year. Could you blame... The addition of Marcus Morris? No, I don't think so. They're just, they need their guys. They need their guys back. Paul George and Patrick Beverly are a big part of what that team is doing. They, at times, had been overachievers. Last year, this team was a massive overachiever. And they're still very, very good. Kawhi Leonard is very good. Montrezl Harrell is solid. Lou Williams is solid. I mean, these are massive value guys. But they need Paul George and Patrick Beverly back. And I'm not bailing out on Marcus Morris. I know he had a horrible ball game here, but it seems like they want to play him a ton of minutes, so we'll take it. 
Brooklyn beat up on Charlotte. Brooklyn's been quietly trying to play a little harder lately. Good to see Jared Allen get back on the right side of the ledger. There's been sort of this weird wanting to use DeAndre Jordan more lately, and maybe some of it was the competition, or maybe Allen was under the weather. I still struggle with this Brooklyn team to find the consistent fantasy value. Guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, they always hurt you in percentages. Levert, six steals went a long way here, but you're not going to get to play the Hornets every game. Garrett Temple had a big one, but who cares? Charlotte's awful. We've been down this road a million times before. I've basically given up on trying to find any bright spots with this team. They're a fantasy graveyard. About four weeks into the season, I said there's a chance you might not have anyone on this team inside the top 100, and I maintain that that could still happen. Terry Rozier's at 78. He's their best option to stay inside the top 100 because Devontae Graham has completely forgotten how to shoot. He's falling. He's out. He's around 90 now, so it's close, man. It's close. He shot one for ten. Uh, oh, boy, the last few games for Graham. Although at this point, if you know what you're getting on the field goal percent side, he's made one shot in his last two games combined. Luckily, he has four steals in that stretch, and he's played the popcorn numbers have been so huge the rest of the way that you can sort of forgive it. But, yeah, boy, the Charlotte team is a mess. Dallas at Atlanta. Dallas was without, well, everybody. Jalen Brunson hurt himself 12 seconds into the game, too. Luka Doncic was out. Kristaps Porzingis was out. Willie Cauley-Stein was out for personal reasons. The other guys almost did it. Maxi Kleba, Seth Curry, Tim Hardaway Jr. show was almost enough, but not quite. When this team is healthy, you can't trust any of those guys. That's sorry. You just, you just can't. Meantime, John Collins on the Atlanta side has been amazing. He's a first-round guy this year. Trey Young has been very good. My concerns on Kevin Herter are very real. And DeAndre Hunter didn't even play in this ballgame. He's just, from a pecking order standpoint, he's getting pushed down the chart. He floated himself in this ballgame with six assists and four steals. But 11 shots is not going to be enough for a wing-type player to get it done. I am very concerned about what Kevin Herter is going to be down the stretch. I just I don't think he's going to be a top 100 guy from this point to the end of the year. Dwayne Dedman is in great shape. Until Clint Capella shows up, which could be never. And Cam Reddish is a guy that deserves some attention. He's played well lately. He has, as I've talked about before, more of a wing-type fantasy game, which is hard to maintain value in this NBA if you're not the lead dog. If you're just a scoring wing, you need to find ways to get it done someplace else. And he's done that with some defensive stats lately. I did add him in a league although that addition was a little bit more geared towards keeper format. Basically, what I'm seeing with Reddish is that I need, I need the percentages to improve, which they probably will as he grows as a, a basketball player. And I just I, I don't know what his opportunity is going like to look like the rest of the way. We've seen he and Herter and DeAndre Hunter all kind of sharing touches at times, and that's reason for concern for all three. But again, to his credit, he has played well lately. I did grab him in a keeper league. I'll tell you that right now. I didn't grab him in a redraft spot. I'm still not fully sold on this year being the time, but you never know. Phoenix beat Chicago. We already talked about the Bulls once, so uh, they had that back-to-back. For Phoenix, 
they got their guys back. DeAndre Ayton played at 28-19. That was very good. Ricky Rubio looked good. Mikael Bridges looked good. Devin Booker looked good. Everybody looks good when you play the Bulls. So, cool. Let's move along. Cleveland, the coaching bounce only last one ball game. They beat the Wizards and then got smoked by the Jimmy Butlerless Miami Heat, who's still dealing with a personal thing. I don't know if we've uh, we've gotten the report on exactly what's going on, but hopefully it's short and not a big deal. On the Cleveland side, I don't get into too much of the specifics. And obviously, Kevin Love sat this one out. He's on a, a back-to-back rest schedule. But Larry Nance actually played pretty good minutes, even when all four centers were healthy. So you're definitely not dropping there. And otherwise, I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about with this team. Andre Drummond is trying to figure things out. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. I mean, he's not going to be as good as he was in Detroit, but he'll be fine. Heat side, you know, when you shoot 57%, there's going to be some decent fantasy lines involved. Jay Crowder had five steals. Derek Jones Jr. had four. The team had 16 steals all told. Kendrick Nunn was good. Kelly Olynyk was good. I mean, this is just the way you can kind of throw things out on the Cleveland side. Because they got clobbered, you can kind of throw things out on the Miami side because they did the clobbering, and they did it without their lead dog. There's a chance. I know I've said that the shoe is going to drop for Jay Crowder and he's not going to stay hot the rest of the way. That part is true, but there's a chance that he maintains enough of a role on this team to be fantasy relevant. I was probably needlessly harsh on Crowder. Not that he's going to be a permanent nine-category fixture guy because, again, he's not going to stay this hot the rest of the way. But he's found himself on a team where his role looks relatively comfortable piling up he's working on a a giant run of steals here he's going to get some rebounds he's going to shoot some threes he's he's fallen into a three and d spot and it's possible that he can kind of hang on to it i'm still not fully sold the minutes being in the mid-20s for three games in a row that shouldn't be enough for him but lately it has been on kind of a small sample size because he has 11 steals in five games that's a lot it's a lot of steals. 11 steals, three blocks, and a crap ton of three-pointers. He's at like 17 threes in those five games because he's shooting the ball well. But that's not going to hold. I don't think that level of steals is going to hold either. And so there's going to be a drop-off. The question is how much, and if you're in particular formats, you know, punt field goal team, he makes sense. If you desperately need threes and some steals, he makes sense. I just... the. You know, this top 40 run or whatever he's on in Miami, that's just not going to hold. It's just not going to hold. Ben Simmons got hurt or was hurt and tried to play through it and then remained hurt in Philadelphia's road loss in Milwaukee. They're just so bad on the road. Tobias Harris hurt his knee in this ballgame, so that's a pisser. There might be some short-term stuff available in Philadelphia if both Simmons and Harris are out presumably Embiid and Richardson are going to have to do a whole bunch of stuff. You might see enough Alec Burks to be fantasy relevant in the short term. You might see Al Horford kind of push back into the mix. He's been really almost gone. You might see Al Horford start to get dropped. If he does, I would pick him up. I know I said I didn't have the stones to buy low on him. I still don't have the stones to buy low on him because I don't know where exactly it's going to settle. It's going to be a little bit better than it has been. And obviously a little bit worse than when he was starting. But you might see someone like a Furkin Korkmaz slide into fantasy value here short term. 
I don't think they really want to roll Ty Bull out there for long stretches. Matisse just, I, I don't believe that he, they feel he's ready to go big minutes. Probably best to just leave it alone, honestly. Small ball Rockets beat the Jazz on the road. Uh, Daniel House only played 25 minutes with Eric Gordon back. Ben McLemore uh, scored 12 points, but again, he only played 13 minutes, so I don't think you have to buy into that. Jeff Green is the guy spelling P.J. Tucker at center right now. He played 13 minutes. That's probably about what he's going to do in competitive games, so Tucker's still the main guy there. I still like Daniel House. I know he only took two shots in this game. Overall, he's been much better lately. And they're just chucking 23s again in this one against a Jazz team that, frankly, has been a little bit spaced out lately. But Rockets got it done. Harden and Westbrook, when they both shoot over 50%, you're probably going to lose to them. Mike Conley played for Utah, 13-7-7, so he continues to play a little bit better here down the stretch and has mostly torpedoed the value of Joe Ingles. Jordan Clarkson taking a lot of shots off the bench, but they've needed it. I don't think that that holds up the rest of the way, and I don't believe fantasy value holds up the rest of the way. I'm not really making any adjustments here, and you guys know I don't like Eric Gordon's fantasy game for Houston. Been down that road too many times. We've gone through Sunday and Saturday. Do we need to do Friday? Forget if there was anything else we needed to go over here. Who played on Friday that didn't go over the weekend? Orlando, but who cares? DJ Augustine came back, played 16 minutes, and Markel Fultz, who did have 14 and 9, but you got to look at the playing time, down to 25. That's a bad sign for him. Who else played on Friday we haven't talked about? The New York Knickerbockers, with Alfred Payton, who somehow hurt his ankle over the All-Star break. Would love to know how the hell that happened. Presumably when he's back, he'll get his job back, I would, I would think. Knicks are tough to watch. <laughs> It's nothing nothing else that needs to be said on that front. Peyton has been above the cut line, though. I will give credit where credit's due. I didn't think he would stay there. So far, he has. And as they've jettisoned pieces, that just makes life a little bit simpler. And I believe Memphis is the only other team that didn't go Saturday or Sunday. Memphis is in their own weird little predicament now with Jaron Jackson Jr. out at least two weeks. Brandon Clark is going to get all the minutes he can handle. And game one of that was a smash success. He had 14, 10, and 4 with a steal and a block on 7 out of 11 shooting. This could be a really nice run for him while it, well, those of us who have any Jaron Jackson Juniors suffer the consequences on that front. Gorgie Jang is going to see some playing time as well. They will go big. They went bigger in this one, obviously, against the Lakers. That's going to warrant it. I'm not necessarily grabbing Gorgie Jang. I know he got scooped up in some spots. Six for six shooting, that's not going to stick. 21 minutes, what do we think is really going to happen there? Is Could he get up to 24? Yeah, probably. You'll also probably see more Jonas Valanciunas than 24 minutes here. So I'm not fully in on Gorgie. You guys know I love Gorgie Jang. I had him for the entire cat injury earlier this year in Minnesota. Love his fantasy game. All we ever wanted was for him to get moved to a place where he was going to see playing time. I'm just not convinced he's going to see enough playing time here. It'll be close. He'll be right on the cusp, right on the borderline. So be ready to pounce if you see him getting to that 24-minute mark. But 21 consistently will not be enough. It wasn't this one, but consistently it won't. 
And then DeAnthony Melton followed up a really big game with a total stinker. Lakers do generally do a pretty good job on players of his ilk. I'm sticking with it for the time being, but I totally get it if you, you know, say you didn't need steals. He's, he's a steals specialist to some degree. There's, there's other stuff mixed in there, but I get it. We're at a part of the year now where you got to make your moves. Uh, I also kind of like slow-mo. It feels like he's going to have to play a tiny bit more with Jaron Jackson Jr. out as well. I don't know if that means he's going to see any power forward minutes, but it does mean that while other guys are bouncing around, it's going to clear a tiny path for him to do a little bit more at small forward or power forward. Problem with Kyle Anderson slow-mo is that he doesn't space the floor, and that becomes an issue for a team that was relying on JJJ to do a lot of their floor spacing, believe it or not. Josh Jackson picked up some extra minutes as well. He had 20 points in 23 minutes in this ballgame, but he's just not a good basketball player, so no thanks. And now we turn our attention to tonight, Monday evening. What is coming up on Monday night? Miami is at Cleveland. Jimmy Butler's out, so you can stream Miami, guys, if you want. I'm probably just going to leave that thing alone. For Cleveland, I believe everybody is expected to play. Do I have the stones to play Larry Nance Jr. in a games cap format? I think the answer here is if I need to catch up in games played, I probably do. If I'm right on point to finish the year at, a, at about the number that you're supposed to, I'd probably skip it. Milwaukee and Washington, Bucks, 13.5-point road favorites. Holy smokes. Yeah, that's all we're going to say about that one. Atlanta's in Philadelphia. Philly, generally good at home, but if Simmons and Tobias Harris are both out for this ballgame, you might see Atlanta come in and surprise them a little bit. Philly just doesn't lose in their arena, though. Fantasy-wise, you're looking for possible fill-ins here. We don't know how much time Simmons or... Tobias might miss if it turns out to be more than a couple of games then maybe you do explore a streaming option but I wouldn't go crazy worth monitoring though Atlanta side uh the hunter reddish herder thing is really the only stuff I'm paying attention to everything else is fairly cut and dry Orlando and Brooklyn meh meh that's all I got for you on that one. New York at Houston, we're just mostly waiting to see if Alfred Payton's going to play. I'm not diving into anything else on that Knicks side. Rockets, we'll keep tabs. I mean, the hope here is that Daniel House doesn't lose the aggression he was building up. I don't think he does. I, I don't think that you can make that assessment after one ultra-quiet game. But it. let's hope it's not a trend. We'll put it at that. Minnesota at Dallas. I believe D'Angelo Russell is expected to play, but we'll wait on final confirmation on that one, which, again, knocks Jordan McLaughlin out. Uh, but the rest of that stuff for Minnesota, you're watching guys like Anaz Reed. If James Johnson gets playing time off the bench again, I do think his numbers are trending down time-wise, playing time-wise in general. Uh, Wancho, I'm not a big fan of. Malik Beasley should get to do quite a lot. With Dallas, again, you're waiting on injury stuff. But I'm just not messing with the other dudes in Dallas. There's too much mixing and matching on that team all season long at this point. Phoenix, they've got their normal starters back, so those are your guys there. Utah, same general idea, with the exception of a downward-trending Joe, uh, Joe Ingles. Memphis, without JJJ, maybe they get up for this one, although the Clippers got embarrassed by the Kings on Saturday. I would expect they come back pretty fired up, and we will wait and find out if anybody's playing for the Clippers as well. I'm going to assume no. 
I'm going to assume no. But I don't know. So monitor the wire. There's so many injured guys right now. The wire is so important. At Hoopball Fantasy is where I get all my stuff. And then just teams, teams PR accounts and beat writers. You got to follow all these people on Twitter. This is how you get the information the fastest. It's actually why being a blurb writer for Hoopball is such an amazing way for you to learn fantasy. You might think you're good, and you might be, but you can't be great until you really learn how to work the internet, the news. Get faster. And that's about it for today's show. Again, please do write in. We've got some spots available here at HoopBall at Dan Vespers or TeamHoopBall at Hoop-Ball.com. That's what we're pushing on today's show. Hit me up. Hit me up, hit me up, hit me up, hit me up. I'll run my own echo chamber here. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. we got some good stuff coming up later this week. The return of Scissor Day. I forgot. I almost forgot. We'll have Josh Millman on the podcast Brandon Marcus with us later on in the week, and we'll just keep blasting our way through because weird stuff is happening every damn day. Enjoy your Monday, everybody. I'm going to go watch a taped tribute to Kobe Bryant and feel sad for probably the rest of my day. Do I want to do it? I don't know. I don't know why I'm do- thinking this through out loud on a podcast, but you know what? You're stuck with me, so that's the way it goes. Hey, do rate and review the show. Uh, drop a five-star if if you are... Uh, enjoying what you've been listening to. I promised that I was going to read stuff, reviews of the podcast on every episode. We've gotten right to the end here, and I feel like a lot of you have probably hit the, the double speed thing. So we'll do it tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. We'll read the latest reviews on the podcast tomorrow. Please do drop a five-star review. I'll love you forever. Have a great Monday. Talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.